0: And uh, so we've been in the book of Ephesians for some time. We took a little bit of a break with some series uh, that we did in between that. But we're back in the book of Ephesians. And uh, basically, I was look, thinking through the book of Ephesians. And if we were to separate or split in half the book, I would say the first three chapters is all about what? Who is the Christian? Right? Who is a Christian? Who the Christian is? And then if you look at chapters four, five, and six, it's going into how does the Christian now act? How does the Christian uh, go about his business? How does the Christian function and live in this world as a believer in Christ, as a follower of Christ? That's what a Christian is. And so we are starting uh, that kind of section of Ephesians. As Danny mentioned, the first three was who is the Christian? And now we're looking at now how do you act as a Christ follower? And so last week, Danny took up some uh, verse uh, chapter five, verses one through five. And so today with you guys, I want you guys, we're going to look through verses 6 through 14. Cool? Verses 6 through 14. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, that text for us today. Um, And I'm going to ask after that, we're going to go into prayer and ask God to lead us in this time together in His word. Amen? All right, so let's go ahead and read from Ephesians chapter 5. We're looking at verses 6 through 14. Verse 6 opens up. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments. For God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed, everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful, Lord, that you have called us out, Lord. You have woken us up this morning, God, and brought us here, Lord. And God, we are anxious. We are desiring to hear from you, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would make known, Lord, your glory. God, you would make known, Lord God, your goodness, Father. You would make known, Lord God, who you are. And Father, as hard as it is, Lord, you would make known who we are apart from you, God. And that on our knees we will drop, Father, to give you glory and honor today, God, I thank you, Lord, that we get this opportunity each and every Sunday as brothers and sisters to gather and to open up your word, Lord, and to regroup and to see, God, what you're speaking, Lord, and to be encouraged, God, and to be challenged. But, Lord, I pray that today would not be like last week, God. It would be a new week, God, and we would anticipate with newness in our hearts, God, to learn from you, to hear from you, to know who you are, who we are, and who we are, and what we're going to do about it, God. So, Lord, be glorified, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So in our text, Paul is giving off a very strong warning. Right. Did Anyone catch that warning? He gives off a very strong warning. And I would I would tell you now it is foolishness if you sit here today and disregard that warning. This warning is not just for the believers sitting here, but I strongly believe for those of you who have not made Christ your savior today. Our text here holds eternal weight for whoever you are sitting in this room right now. The text that we're looking at will hold eternal, does hold eternal weight for you, regardless of where you are at in your faith. Last week, we learned that a life renewed in Christ ought to be imitators of God. Right. And so we looked at Paul saying to be imitators of God, we are to walk in love as Christ loved us. Now, this means that we no longer live in the patterns of our former selves, living for the fleshly desires that we long for. But we pattern our lives not after who? Jesus. We pattern our lives after Jesus. And as as I study verses 6 through 14, there's this particular question that was gripping at my heart. And I believe strongly that it is the challenge that God has laid in my heart for you guys this morning. Here is the question. In light of being renewed in Christ, how do we, the believer, relate to a morally dark world? Let me repeat that question. In light of being renewed in Christ, how do we relate to a morally dark world? This is a big question for us today. Let's make it a little bit personal. How do you relate to a morally dark world? Do you stand out in this world or do you blend in? Do you shine or are you overshadowed? Do you expose darkness in the world or do you hide in it? Are you influenced by the darkness of the world or are you making visible the deeds done in the dark? These are some deep, strong questions that I want us to wrestle with this morning in our text. Now, before we get to that question, Paul does something. He sets it up. And so I'm going to set it up for us with looking at verses six through nine. Here's the truth, the center of what I believe is going to be about our talk today. Uh, in our time. And this is the main truth that I believe God is gripping us with today. It's in your notes. Being renewed in Christ means we no longer walk in darkness, but in light. So if you're taking notes, something here we do at Swerve Church every week, we love to hand you these bulletins. We put these notes in your hands so that if you want to take notes, it's a great tool for you to look at throughout the rest of the week and challenge and test what is being spoken up here from up here. That's something we encourage you to do. Because the word of God encourages you. So I would encourage you, if you don't usually take notes, do that today. So the first one, being renewed in Christ means we no longer walk in darkness, but in light. Paul says it this way in verses 6 through 8. He said, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. For God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the world. There's the warnings right there, right off the bat. Paul gives us this warning. In chapter 4, if you don't remember, and you look back in chapter 4, Paul gives a similar warning to the church as he warns them about the teaching that is creeping into the church at Ephesus at this time where they are trying to be swayed by every every false thought, every false teaching back and forth. And Paul's bringing that same warning up again here to the church. He says in verse 4 this, he says they are trying to deceive you with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. There's some cleverness in the techniques that are attempting to draw us away from the truth of God's word. And so that's a very strong warning as we go into our text today. Paul says it in verse 6, don't be deceived with empty arguments. Now, always wanting to keep this in context. If you remember last week, Danny spoke about and We looked at chapter 5 and Paul warns the church to remove themselves from what? Sexual immorality and greed and impurity, right? He says, keep from, "Keep from obscene and foolish talk, keep from crude joking." And then he ended that verse in verse five, that thought in verse five, with this: "Every sexual immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God." Paul didn't hold back the truth about the wrath of God. That is very real. He didn't hide the reality, the reality that God's wrath will be poured out on those who practice sexual immorality, those who are greedy and practice impurity. He says it straight out. They have no place in the kingdom of God. Then he brings it home in verse six with his warning. Do not be deceived with empty arguments. These are empty arguments that say, hey, your freedom in Christ means that you're free from all law, all rules, and you can just live your life as you please. That somehow our freedom in Christ gives us permission to enjoy our our flesh, to enjoy the things that we engage with. Just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. As if our freedom in Christ allows us to say things like, well, God is good and he forgives me. Let me just go ahead and do this, even though I know that it's leading me into a dark world. The false teaching still very much sits with us today and deceives many in the church. Don't be fooled. Let this be our warning as well, because Satan uses this tactic then and he continues to use it now. And the warning is, made: our sin never, ever seem as if it's less serious. Sure, sin as a believer no longer controls us, right? Grace, God's grace is greater than our sins and it is enough. But don't be deceived that it is just simply now OK to remain in your sin just because God is good. Sin is never excused. Sin is never excused. We need to remain on guard because God's wrath comes on those who disobey Him. Take a look at it again in verse 6 through 8. Now, I want us to do this. I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. When I get to verse 8, can you guys help me and join in in reading verse 8 together out loud? It's up here, so right there. Okay? So I'm going to go ahead and read 6, 7, and then we're all going to read verse 8. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments. For God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Fill in this blank. In darkness, we are under God's wrath. Again, not shying away from this truth. In darkness, you are under God's wrath. Now, sadly, and it breaks my heart to hear and to see, of preachers and teachers take advantage of this role here that they have the opportunity, that I have the opportunity to do today, and speak truth into the life of the church, to speak truth into the life of God's children. But instead, we we avoid speaking truth. That we avoid speaking the reality of God of God's wrath and hell, and that's probably the most hateful thing for us to do. The reality of God's hell of God of God's wrath and hell is not something that we should be holding back from but instead exposing and it is hateful for me or for Danny for anyone who sits up here or in our comfort of our homes and with our neighbors because it doesn't just fall on the preacher it falls on every single believer sitting out there today right when you are confronting your neighbors when you're speaking to your co-workers and you hide the truth of God's wrath to not offend them you are under. This, this this wrath, of God, that you are just allowing your neighbors, your friends, your, your co-workers to, to remain blinded. And so today, Paul is warning us, it won't be loving if we ignore this. And I want to say that if today you remain in darkness, you remain under God's wrath. If you remain in darkness, you remain under God's wrath. Ephesians 2 1 through 2 says it this way and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world according to the ruler of the power of the air the spirit now working in the disobedience what you need if you live in the wrath of God you need the power of God that raised Jesus from death to life to now raise you from death to life. Every single one of us here, at one point, whether we're still in there now or have been raised from life, we're dead in our trespasses under the ruler of Satan himself. But Ephesians 2.4 says what? But God, you guys know it, but God, who is rich rich in mercy because of what his great love that he had for us made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. Amen. Praise God that though his wrath is great, his grace and love for us is greater. Did you catch that? Though his wrath is so great, his love for you is greater. Because of Christ, Paul tells us this, in Christ we are children of light. In Christ, we are children of light. To understand what this means, we are children of light, we have to understand what light symbolizes in the Bible. And I want us to read it from our text today, verse 8 through 10. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. See, light symbolizes everything that is good, everything that is right, and everything that is true. Light is used to symbolize holiness and purity. To live as children of light is to live in truth and to pursue holiness. In contrast, dark symbolizes that which is morally evil. It refers to a mind that is darkened and deceived. It is what Paul described in Ephesians 2, to a life lived in control of the ruler of the power of the air. Light is being awakened to truth and knowledge. Darkness is being blinded to knowledge in the light God reveals what is pleasing to him and that's what he says in verse 10 as children of light we have knowledge of truth and because we have knowledge of this truth how then are we to walk how then are we to use this knowledge Paul is now going to address that and this brings us to that question I mentioned at the very beginning I want to remind you what it is that question again is how do you relate to a morally dark world How do you relate to it? Now, there's two very dangerous approaches that I want to discuss in our time today. The first dangerous approach is this. We take, as children of light, we become so afraid, right, of darkness that we totally remove ourselves from the world. In this case, there's an overemphasis of the need to separate from the world by withdrawing from almost all contact with the world. And that sadly involves the very people we are called to reach. The very people we are to preach the good news and share the good news of Christ with. We become so afraid of being mixed in the world that we completely withdraw ourselves from the world. And that's our point there. The clear danger of this is what? What's the error here? As children of light, we're not shining. Our light is removed from darkness, the very darkness we are to shine on. As a result, we have no impact in reaching the lost. We have no impact in sharing the love of Christ with our friends and neighbors because we are so terrified and we're so holy that we remove ourselves from it. And we fail God's mission to do what? To make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We, we, We fail in that mission. How can we be obedient to this commission if we're removed from its mission? How can we be obedient to this commission if we remove ourselves, if we remove ourselves from the mission? So, how do you relate to a morally dark world? The point's up there ready for you. We don't completely we don't withdraw completely from the world. Now it is true, as I mentioned, light and darkness cannot coexist, right? So it is true to say that a life renewed in Christ and brought into the light of this truth does not continue to live in darkness of its darkness of a sinful lifestyle. Children of light do not continue to live a lifestyle of darkness. We don't. But we don't completely then withdraw from it. I'm not suggesting that we remain in darkness. The point is this. You don't continue or remove yourself completely from it. Ephesians 5.11 says what? Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness. Don't participate in it. God hates sin. That's truth. Now, our children of light, that same hatred of sin that God has, we ought to have and be birthed in us. I spoke about it two weeks ago when we talked about righteous anger and that it should anger you. The sins of your flesh, your sin that you're battling with should anger you. The sin of our neighbors, our cousins, our uncles, our spouses the, the, should anger us. It should because it angers God and God hates it. But how did God deal with it? God did not ignore sin while he hated sin. He didn't ignore it. He didn't leave it for you and I to figure out for ourselves. That is something we will lose. That battle we have no shot at. Thank God he chose not to leave us to ourselves. But instead, Jesus, God sends his only son into the world. So that you and I can look at his life and see the perfect and spotless life that he lives. That we can see God's love in Christ. He entered into the world. Though he takes no part of his sinful uh, sinful actions. And so how do we become imitators of God? Man, we don't exist for ourselves, but we exist for the world. That is what we say at Swerve Church. We are the church. The church is not for us, but we are for the world. And so, if we are to be imitators of God, as children of light, Paul is telling us that while we are separate from darkness, still we remain in it. We don't shy away from it, and we surely don't stand on the sidelines judging it. In other words, we take no part in its sinful actions. I want us to read, this. reminding me of Jesus' prayer, and it's found in John 17, verses 15 through 18, it's in your notes. And this is the prayer that Jesus prays to his Father for his disciples. He says to the father, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. It's a powerful prayer that Jesus prays. And he's asking God, he's pleading with God, father. These are your children. You've called them out of the world. You brought them to me. They're your children, God. Protect them, but leave them here. Protect them. They're going to continue to live in this physical world, but God, please do not let them get captured by the world. They are not of the world. Sanctify them, he asks. That just means, Father, set them apart. They've been set apart by your word, which is truth. Set them apart. It needs to be clear for us that while we're in this world, we've been set apart by God. Amen. We've been set apart by God. And now we're sent into this world to continue the mission that Jesus left us. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. The second dangerous approach that I want to discuss is this. So we have the first one where we just simply remove ourselves from the world in, in fear. What, maybe it's fear that you're just you're not strong enough, and so you don't want to even avoid. You want to avoid every contact, right? Like that person who's a germaphobe, right? Like you don't want to touch anything. Right? And it's almost like how we can approach this, right? Like God, uh, all right, I want to be set apart, and so I'm just gonna close my shades and live in you know in the dark, and I'm gonna I'm, that type of approach. And God say, no, 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 go. That's the first danger. the second approach is this. We become so, instead of removing ourselves from the world, we become so much like the world in its attitude and its behavior. The clear danger of this is what? No one can now tell us apart from the world. There is no difference between us and the unbeliever. So what good is your faith? What appeal does it have if our lives look no different? Now, the even greater danger of this era is those who lean towards this approach, listen carefully, tend to downplay biblical truth. They tend to downplay biblical truths that are offensive to the world. And so what happens? In doing this, we start to dodge biblical standards, right, and of morality, and we compromise the gospel because, I don't know, the word of God says that, but for you, he loves you. And we bend and twist the truth of scripture because we don't want to become offensive with our neighbors, with our friends, with our spouses, with our, you know, so our children. And so that, that, that danger is that we, we, we then, and not only to, let's be real, for ourselves as well, right? We begin to say, well, uh, I can continue doing that because, you know, all this, you know, God is good. And, and so we twist scripture just so that we can also continue to engage in the activities that are sinful and of the stuff that we know or potentially can lead us to sin. And that line just becomes so like, I don't know, we don't even know where it's at anymore. It's like you, you, you may play that, you know, growing up in youth group, anyone, that line of sin, we talk about sexual sin, like don't play with the line and you know, don't get close. We, we don't even know where that line is anymore. And it's like you don't know. It's whatever, God, whatever you feel like doing today, as long as you pray tonight. See, that's an error, that's a danger that we fall into. Some of us do it and it, it's just, it's too too real in our lives and, and in the church. So instead of shining darkness light where darkness exists, we hide our light. Outside of Sundays, we take off our mask as long as there's no other church people around us, and we we do whatever we want to do. Paul tells us, as children of light, we don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness. But what? What does he say we do? We expose it. We don't participate, but expose. We don't participate but expose. How does he put it? Verses 11 and 12, he says, Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Who likes confrontation? Who likes to confront people and stuff? Uh, Danny used to always joke with me. He always says that I'm someone who likes that for some reason. I mean, just, I guess, as my former job with Danny as a dean of students, it always seemed like I was always in that. And so felt like I was always picking a battle and he would remind me, pick him wisely. All right. But who likes to confront someone? Usually we don't. We're kind of scared of that. Why? Because we think that that means argument. We feel like to confront someone means we're picking an argument. But that's not what Paul is telling us when he says expose it. That's not what he's telling us when he says that our role of children light is to expose the sins of darkness of the darkened world and those engaging in it. He's not saying go out and argue with everybody. That's not what he's saying here. Right. We don't need to argue with people to see light. We are light. And so our very presence should expose darkness. This shouldn't mean any need for argument unless you yourself are living that line. It's like a dark room, right? If the room is dark. Just as long as the bulbs work and you switch the light on, right? It goes on and light is revealed. There's no needing to to play with it and to to argue it or to, you know, pray, Lord, let there be light. It's going to go on and the room will be lightened. Just the same way as children of light, wherever you are in school, at work, at home, wherever we are, our light needs to shine in darkness. Is that the case for you? Is that the case for you? Whatever is dark can only be exposed when light shines on. Does that, that make sense? Yeah. Agree with that? I'm not the scientist. Are you guys agree with that? Danny is. All right. By walking in Christ, we shine the light of Christ. Now be sure of this. This is truth here. When you shine the light of Christ, you're exposing darkness. And not everyone will be happy with you for doing that. You will face opposition. You would face anger. You would, you would face people who are just... Going at you and and shaming you and calling you out because you're exposing darkness. You're exposing sin and we don't like that in our lives. And when we expose it, no one, you're going to face people who don't like it. Why is that? Some of our sins, Paul writes here in verse 12, are so shameful that we don't even want to mention it. Some of the sins of this culture that we live in are so evil that it is only in the comfort of total darkness that they are performed. Think of that. So when you shine the light of it, you're exposing that ugliness. You're exposing what what, 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 what they are hiding in the dark because even they know that it is, it is, it is disgusting and ugly. Because what? In the darkness, your sin looks more attractive. But when you expose it to the light of day, when you expose it to God's word, no longer does that sin look glamorous, right? No longer does it look pretty. One commentary put it this way. He wrote, what once might have looked like love is now seen as lust and extreme selfishness. What might, have, what might have passed for manliness is now seen to be a coward. And what was once called an adult is now seen to be very immature. That's what happens when you expose the sins of darkness. You are exposing things that people just don't want to be exposed in their lives. And so you will face opposition. That's the sad truth. Some of you today will choose to remain in darkness because the exposure of your ugliness is something you don't want to deal with today. But some, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will be convicted and see the darkness of their deeds and their need to be made new. And that, brothers and sisters, is our prayer. That's why we as children of light expose darkness. It is that prayer that the power of God will shine on that person's life and they will no longer be in darkness, but they too can shine God's light. Our last point for today, we relate then to a morally dark world by this. We shine the light of Christ. We shine the light of Christ. Now, I've already spoken in length of what that means, but let's look at the last two verses. What does the last two verses in our text say today? That's verse 13 and 14. Everything... Exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, Get up, sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The light of Christ in us shines, it transforms, it exposes, but it cleanses. What is exposed by light is now visible, and that which is visible is now light. What this means is that those who formerly lived in darkness are now made new and they too now do not remain in darkness but become light through whom Jesus can now shine brightly. This is what takes place when you are made new in Christ. This is what happened to you sitting here if you've been renewed in Christ and this is what can happen to you today if you don't hide from the light that exposes your evilness and your sinful deeds and you allow the light of Christ to shine. You cannot outrun light you will be exposed it's true for us whether you choose to hide today you will be exposed but the good news of Jesus Christ is this he is the light of the world he is the light of the world who came down into darkness he conquered darkness on the cross dying for your sin and my sin and he rose from the dead because darkness cannot overcome the light of Christ his love is greater than my sin. His love is greater than your sin. His love is greater than the sins of the world that he died on the cross for. Nothing can overcome the darkness in your life, in the darkness of this world. You need the light of Christ to shine on you and make you alive. If you recognize this today, here's what you need to do. The Bible says to confess your sins, admit your need for a savior. And it says to repent, turn from it, flee from your sin. And he is faithful to forgive you. He's faithful to forgive you of your sins. And he will shine on you. Here's my prayer for us today with every eye closed. My prayer is that our light will shine brightly, Father. So that the world may give you glory. You are the light of the world, God. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, Father, let our light shine before others so that you, so that they may see your good works and give glory to you, Father, in heaven. Amen.